Good morning, everyone. Good morning. That was a strong one. Happy to be with you and sharing God's word. And uh, yeah, many emotions on a Sunday morning. You meet people that touch your heart. You you see old friends. You see new friends. You so many things happen on a Sunday morning. And uh, that one thing I know is that God is moving in this family. God is moving every time we come together. Um, church really is family, and I love that we get to spend time together. I love the things that God is doing in this community. Um, we're seeking God together, and I believe every single person in this place is seeking the heart of God. We want to be closer to God, not only on Sundays, but it's beautiful to see that is happening on Wednesdays as well. When we have life groups and different days of the week, we want this community to blossom. We want to be intentional in showing our love and service to one another. We, we want to flourish relationships. We, we see people blessing each other. We see... Uh, People being welcome into the community and feeling that they've always been part of this family. So that is what really happens when God is reigning in people's hearts. I believe this is what truly is what truly is being part of God's family. But at the same time, in, in every family once in a while, there's conflict. Stuff happens and offenses happen. And sometimes people's response to that conflict is, um, we need to be more like the early church. If you've been Christian for a while, you've probably heard many preachers say that. We need to be more like the early church. Because that church was the best church to be part of. They were just full of love. They, they shared uh, everything with each other. They prayed for each other. There was this sense of unity that we just can't see today in the modern church. So we say these things, but when we look at the book of Acts and you go past chapter 2, which is beautiful, but all of a sudden in chapter 3, chapter 4, you start seeing some conflict. You start seeing some discrimination. You start seeing some gossip. You even start seeing some racism. And all of a sudden, we shouldn't actually be so much like the early church. Because when, there, when there's people... There's going to be conflict. There's going to be trouble. And the times we're living today aren't particularly easy. All around us, I think that conflict is at an all-time high. And I think we're even going through a, a conflict pandemic at this moment. And for us to understand why, I'd like us to analyze what causes an explosion to happen. For an explosion to happen, you need three elements. You need fuel, you need containment, and you need a spark. And I want us to focus on this word containment. Because if I pour gasoline on pavement and if I throw a match, there's not going to be an explosion. There's just going to be a fire. Because it lacks containment. In order for an explosion to happen, you need the, the elements to be contained. And here we have a parallel to all the conflicts in relationships people have with those explosions of anger. Up until very recently, we were all in confinement. We were all social distancing. We were all in avoiding going to work and being with other people. And we felt contained. It's a frustrating, it's an infuriating situation. But it's also a flammable situation. 
So if you've had more than your share of explosions with your family, with your friends, neighbors, co-workers recently, I believe it's because of this containment principle. The smallest spark will set us off. It just will become an avalanche of anger, of misunderstanding, and then conflict. But we know, I think, as Christians, that God wants us to live with peace in our lives. God wants us to live in peace in the church. He wants us to live in peace in your, in your workplace. The Bible says in Romans 14, So then let us pursue the things which make for peace and the building up of one another. So how are we doing this? And I'd like you to think about this inside your own heart. Are we really making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit in our home, in our church, in our relationships? So this morning, I want to share with you some principles to prevent explosions. Relationships are part of life, an essential part of life. It is only natural that most of us are in some sort of conflict right now. Some of us, maybe not by our choice, but we are just taken inside a conflict so many times. Whether it's marriage, friendship, work, it's going to happen. And I believe we need to be better at them. We need to be better in our relationships. So we must do two things to be Christ-like and prevent these explosions. Are you ready to take notes this morning? I invite you to take notes as much as you can. I'm going to say many, many things. Some are going to be just spot on for your life. Maybe some will be useful later this week. But it's important that we allow God's word to sink in. These are mind-blowing principles. These two. These two advices from Scripture. Are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. The first one to avoid explosions is do not offend. Only I find it hilarious. Simple, right? Just do not offend people. And the second one, do not be offended. If we were able to do these things, do not offend, do not be offended, all conflicts will be solved for all eternity. But the thing is, yes, this is what the Word of God tells us and that we're going to dive deeper into these principles. But we definitely see our willingness quite far away from our ability to pursue this. So what does the Word of God say about starting and not offending? And there are 40 different commands in Scripture that start with this sentence, do not let. Do you remember many times when you read Scriptures, do you see this? Do not let. And we're going to go through a few do not let that we find in the Bible that have to do with relationships. And the first one we find in Proverbs 3.21. The word says, preserve sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. This means that we need to wait until knowing all the facts and the whole story. We can't just make conclusions until we know all the facts and the whole story. Nowadays, we're so quick to make up our minds. We settle for the Insta story. And we think that we figured people out 
in 15 seconds of snapshots of filtered reality. This highway of information that is called the internet tells us way too many things per second. We're still processing a piece of information or some news that a newspaper is giving. We are still into it and all of a sudden there's another piece of information and we still haven't processed the previous information and there's still more to come. And we are pushed to make up our minds really quickly and make snap decisions. And we make snap judgments. We need to learn to hold on. If you are thinking of changing opinions, don't change so quickly. Take your time. But we're also so quick to make assumptions about people and to believe the worst about people. We're so quick to condemn and to criticize, quick to assume that we know people's motivations. Proverbs 18 says, what a shame. Yes, how stupid to decide before knowing the facts. So don't decide just yet. Someone really, someone that has been recently in my life, and I've been through some situations, and this person has been giving me really good advice. And one, one of the things that he said is, oh, because I, I, I was telling, I, I need to say this, and I need to say that. You think this is a, a, really, a good way of saying it? And he said, don't say. Just ask. Ask questions. We all have filters and people will say something that we understand differently. We will say things that people will understand differently. And the Bible says in Corinthians chapter 4, you should not pass judgment on anyone before the right time. And the final judgment must wait until the Lord comes. He'll bring to light dark secrets and expose the hidden purposes of people's minds. So we need to stop trying to figure out people's motivations. If we pass judgment before the right time, there's going to be an explosion. The word continues saying in 1 Corinthians 10, another do not let. Do not let yourselves cause anyone to be offended, whether they're Jews or Gentiles or to those in the church of God. This means whether they are believers or non-believers, whether they come to church or they don't come to church, be sensitive and show empathy to what offends others. That's another hard verse. It just feels like everybody has got a ship on their shoulders. We all get offended easily. And we all offend others easily. Do you feel that way? Am I right or not? It's true. But if we want to be Christ-like, we need to stop that behavior and ask ourselves, are we often insensitive to the impact of our words and actions on others? When someone says, I feel offended, maybe we can't understand immediately the reason why. But if we are able to take time if we show to be sensitive, if we show empathy, maybe we'll be able to start understanding why this person feels offended. Now, the easy response, and I've heard this plenty of times, people just shouldn't be so sensitive, right? We wish people shouldn't be so sensitive. But I've learned that that's not the Christ-like response. 
Other people don't decide what is hurtful and painful and offensive to you. So you cannot decide what is hurtful and offensive to other people too. The Bible says in Romans 15, we can't just go ahead and do whatever pleases ourselves. We must be considerate of the doubts and fears of others who are offended. We should think of what's good for the others and build them up by doing what pleases them. For Christ did not please himself. Instead, he felt, as the scripture tells us, when others insult you, it hurts me. And there are plenty of scriptures that instruct us to put other people's feelings above our own. Like Christ, when other people feel hurt, we should feel hurt with them. Because we're part of the same body. We're part of the body of Christ. Another do not let in Galatians 5. Do not let your freedom become an excuse for indulging your selfish nature. Instead, let love make you serve each other. For the whole law of God can be summoned in one command. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if, instead of showing love, you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. You'll destroy each other. Instead, live by following the Spirit, and you won't do what your self-centered nature craves. We need to see our freedom as a tool to love others, not ourselves. If our mindset is constantly me, 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 me all the time, you know what's going to happen when someone touches you? There's going to be an explosion. Because whatever exists inside of here is going to be me, me, me. And God doesn't want that to happen. 1 Corinthians 10 says, don't think only of, a, of your own good. Think of other Christians and what is best for them. God doesn't need to tell us that we need to pursue what is good for us. We're pretty good at it. We know what we like. We know what pleases us. But God feels the need to tell us that we need to pursue what is good for others. Placing others above ourselves. Thinking, what would be the best thing that I could do for this person right now? Looking at other people and thinking, what can I do to please this person? To make this person happy? What, what do they need? Man, if, and if we allow that thought to guide our actions and guide our thoughts and become part of our day-to-day, -day, man, the world would be a very different place. And I know that God wants the world to be a very different place. Philippians chapter 2 says, Do not let selfishness or pride be your guide. Instead, be humble and give more honor to others than to yourselves. In Romans 12, give the same respect to everyone alike. Pay no regard to social standing. Be humble and meet people on their own terms and don't think you know it all. Containment, pressure is such a complicated thing. 
And when the pressure is on in your life, whatever's inside is going to come out. Nice people will do nice things. Peaceful people will transmit more peace. Patient people will transmit patience. But mean people, oh, they become even meaner. Angry people, they become angrier. Opinated people become even more opinionated. Proverbs 3 says, do not let kindness and truth to leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. The Bible says that whatever wrong things we say or do, they come from our heart. That's why we need to write kindness and truth in our hearts. That's why we need to bind them around our necks so that those things will never come out of our mouths and do more harm. Humility, kindness in our hearts. If they exist there, the first thing that is going to change is the words that come out of our mouths and our actions as well. Ephesians 4.29, do not let any harmful words come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that they may benefit those who listen. I shouldn't be talking about the things I want to talk about with people. I need to talk to people the things that they need to hear from me. In relationships, so many times we bring our agenda. This is how this relationship is going to go. That's not the Christ-like way. Allow other people's needs to dictate what you need to say. And again... If we all lived this way, we would have a lot more unity, much less explosions happening all the time. So we've gone through do not offend. Easier said than done. But the Bible is the word of God and the power of God for allow us to live according to his word and according to his will. And secondly, do not be offended. And I have to say, when I was preparing this message, this was the part that I felt God was just <laughs> working in me. An offense is a sin that is committed against you. So it's important to define what is not an offense. Not taking offense doesn't mean that you need to swallow the truth. That you always have to constantly withhold from others what is offending you. Do not, not taking offense doesn't mean that. Not taking offense doesn't mean that you let someone keep hurting you as well. There is a difference between forgiveness and trust. When someone offends you, we are commanded by the word of God to forgive. Because we've been forgiven. But there, there's this second word, trust. And trust isn't something that you demand. It's something that needs to be built. Forgiveness needs to be an instant response in the heart of a believer. But trust, we need to work with that. In abusive circumstances, we need to forgive, but we also need to be in a place of safety. 
Not taking offense doesn't mean a disagreement or just a misunderstanding. Just because people have a different idea than you have, it doesn't mean that you get to be offended. They're not offending you. They're just expressing a different perspective about the reality that you're living. So how do you not take an offense? When someone actually sins against you, when someone sins against me, what should we do? What does the Bible teach us about that? Psalm 139 says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. The first thing that you need to do is to ask God to reveal the hurts in your heart. We're not good at hiding our feelings. I thought I was. And then I got married. And I thought I was able just to just go by my day-to-day life and no one needed to know what was going on inside. But actually, I don't hide that well. I don't think any of us actually do. Still, we try. And we tend to say to ourselves, it's no big deal. It's okay. I'm going to be fine. And we swallow things. Not because we don't have a problem with what was done, because we do, but because we simply don't want to have to deal with it. It's minimizing the pain inside our chest because we don't want to go to the doctor. You know that many heart attacks and many people die from a heart attack because they simply didn't go to the hospital at the right time. We feel like it, there's something wrong, but, oh, that, that's nothing. I'm just tired from going up the stairs. I'm just tire, tired from a long day. And if we minimize the hurt, it's going to cause problems. Not taking offense doesn't mean minimizing the offense until you can fully see where it's hurting. You can't see and understand where you need to be healed. We need to deal with offenses. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. If you are holding on to offenses people did to you, you need to ask God also to forgive you for the ways that you have offended others. You can't be sure if you're holding on to offenses that there's other people in your life that are holding up offenses against you. It's a terrible, terrible hobby to holding up to offenses. We're imperfect human beings. And the same way that we get offended, we also offend others. Matthew 6 says, forgive us our sins, as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Sinning against us, an offense was done. So forgiveness is always a two-way street. Forgiveness and therefore unforgiveness affect every relationship that you have. God says blatantly, if you have a problem with someone, it's going to affect my relationship with you. And if we have a problem, there's going to be problems with other people in your life too. But if there's forgiveness 
between yourself and God, there's going to be forgiveness to others. So it's all connected. And we all have a role to play in bringing forgiveness into our relationships, into bringing forgiveness into our world. If you forgive, you will be forgiven back. But if we withhold forgiveness, yes, we are withholding forgiveness to ourselves as well. Colossians 3, chapter, uh, verse 13 says, Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you. So you must forgive others. This verse should be at the center to not take an offense. We are a forgiven people. So we need to be a forgiving people. Jesus' disciples asked one time, how many times must I forgive? How many times, Jesus? Oh, Lord, you have no idea what it's like to live with this person. You have no idea the things that I have to put up with. Like, it's every single day, and once, and twice, and three times. And God, I can't do this anymore. How many times? Luke 17 says, Even if that person wrongs you seven times a day, and each time turns again and asks forgiveness, you must forgive. This means forgiveness without limits. This means do not make lists, mental or physical, literal lists. But how can we forgive if what was done to me, I never did to others? And some of us, I believe that some people in this room were battling with unforgiveness because of this thought. I never, ever expected that person to do that to me because I've never, ever done that to anyone. And that is the reason why it's hard to forgive. But I want to share something that the Word says in order for us to process that. There's two always and two sometimes that we have to remember. The first one is in 1 Peter chapter 5. Turn all your troubles over to him because he cares for you and is watching over you. It means that you need to always release it to God. You always need to release the offense to God. One of the Greek words for forgiveness literally means release it. Means to be set free. So that's what we need to do. Instead of holding on to it, we need to choose to release the offense to God. And the second always is that you always refuse to take revenge. And it says in Romans 12, dear friends, never take revenge. It's not one of the sometimes. It's never, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Revenge is a cycle of unforgiveness. And sometimes, because we're Christians, we don't actually do it. 
but we play it in our minds. This person, I imagine if I did that to them as well, what would they think? That would be the right thing to do. And we play it out. And we live with revenge in our hearts and minds, and we need to break from that trap. We need to break the cycle. James chapter 1, verse 20 says, Human anger does not achieve God's righteous purpose. While you have the right to feel angry, it's one of the emotions that God feels, and it's one of the emotions that God has created you to be able to feel. But don't dwell in anger. Human anger never is going to accomplish anything that God wants for your life. Anger is never going to have a good outcome. No matter the offense done to you, anger will always lead to disaster. And there's two sometimes. And these have to do with people. They always have to do with God. But there are two sometimes that have to do with people in your life. Proverbs 19 says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. So sometimes you need to overlook the offense. That's usually what we do mostly at families, in our families, because we know their hearts. We know how they're like. We know what they tend to do well, what they tend to do not so well. And if we're always pointing out... We're going to have a conflict every single day. So it's better to sometimes to overlook the offense and trust that God is at work in this person's heart. We need to show that kind of grace and keep the unity. But some other times, we need to point out the offense. And in Matthew 18 says, if another believer sins against you, Go privately and point out the offense. If the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. Sometimes you need to point out the offense, not hold it inside. And I can't tell you how many times people have come to me or Gabby or one of the elders because they had a problem with someone in the church community. And most of the times... I can't do anything about it because the Bible says, well, if that happened and you feel sad about it, if you can overlook that offense, you need to go talk to the person. It's the exact advice no one wants to hear (laughs) because they would rather me do it. (laughs) But it's what the Bible says that we need to do. Look the other person in the eye and share how you felt. Now, how do you know which one to choose? How do you know if you should overlook an offense or if you need to point out the offense? And the answer is, it's complicated. But I think a a simple rule of thumb is this. If you can't stop thinking about it, If it affects the way that you love and you serve this person, then go talk with them. It's it's as godly to point out an offense as it is to overlook it. And when we point out the offense in love, I know that there's going to be victory. When you feel offended... 
The Bible says, Matthew 5, 44, But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for anyone who mistreats you. We need to pray for the one that offended us. I know that there are many prayers in the Bible, especially in the book of Psalms, right? Are you familiar with this guy called David? Yeah, more or less. He's a poem, songwriter. He's kind of a, a really sensitive guy. And he wrote Psalm 23. Who doesn't love Psalm 23? I mean, we read it all the time. But David also prayed some very confusing prayers sometimes. Sometimes David wrote, Strike them, God, strike my enemies with blindness. Make their backs always weak. Pour out your anger on them. Let your indignation overtake them. And we say, Amen, Hallelujah. That's the prayer I feel like praying right now, right? And it's true, and thank God that these honest prayers are in the Bible as well. But is this the prayer that God has called us to pray? I don't believe so. The Lord told us not to pray against, but to pray for. Not to bring revenge, but to bring blessings. Because when God brings revenge, he brings judgment and punishment. When God brings blessing, he brings transformation. He brings restoration. He brings everything new. So we need to be careful with how we pray for people. And I want to invite the worship team to come as we finish. And the last advice that I've received from Scripture that I think is the best one for me right now. Genesis chapter 50. And that, that whole book of Genesis. How many of you are familiar with the story of Joseph? Joseph. And we always say it's the story of Joseph and his brothers. Because Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. If you ask me, I think that is a pretty terrible offense. Your blood relatives selling you into slavery. But the Bible says that God was with Joseph, and when he became the second ruler in the whole country of Egypt, he was able to save his family, to save his brothers. And he said this to his brothers, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And the lesson here is this, remember that God's plan for you is greater than their offense. Remember that God's plan for your life is greater than any offense anyone has ever done to you. No matter how terrible, no matter how unfair, no matter when it was, God's plan is greater Joseph, he didn't minimize the offense. 
He didn't do what we already spoke about. Oh, it, it's okay. It's, it's in the past. It's okay. I'm just going to put a strong face and pretend it never happened. No. He said, you intended to heart me. It wasn't a good thing. But Joseph, he maximized God's power. He was able to say, God worked it for good. God worked this for my good, for our good. Whatever people did to you, whatever people are doing to you right now in your life, remember that God's plan for you is greater than their offense. They're no, no bigger than God. They're not greater than Him. God is with you. I don't know how the Lord spoke into your heart today, but I think that we all have a lot to surrender at Jesus' feet this morning. I hope you took notes. This message is going to be online. Listen to these principles as much as you need. Because this is what the Holy Spirit will use, His Word, in order to change your hearts. Nonetheless, if you recognize symptoms in your heart, like you tend to feel offended all the time, or you just do mental lists about people in order to avoid certain people because you just feel hurt, then it's wise to seek help. It's wise to speak with one of the pastors, one of the elders, speak with a therapist or someone in your life that you can just process that burden. It would be very irrealistic of me to think just because we went through the Word of God that now we're all going to apply it and the world is going to be a perfect place for us. It's not. But let's be serious about it. Let us not take offense, destroy our lives, and corrupt relationships, and mess with what God is doing in our hearts. We don't have to be alone in this fight to reclaim freedom from offense. We're going to take communion in a while. And um, I'm going to ask that the welcome team, if you want to stand with me, um, I'm going to ask for the welcome team to distribute the symbols the bread and the wine and if you don't drink alcohol there is also juice so feel free to drink according to your conscience and uh, I believe that there is also a gluten-free alternative if you can't eat gluten so we want to love you and respect you and make sure that you can use this time in the presence of God but while the 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 welcome team is distributing the symbols. I invite you to hold on to them so that afterwards we can take them all together. And the worship team is, is going to lead us in worship while they do that. Uh, so if you want to stand with me this morning. But just rem reminding you that we are a forgiven people. So we need to be a forgiving people. Every time we come around the table of the Lord, every time we take the symbols 
of the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's an opportunity to remind us who we are and to remind us of who Jesus is in our lives. So as you hold these symbols, as you think about what the Spirit of God has told you this morning, as you process the hurt that you have inside of you, remember, God doesn't want you to hold anything against someone. This is a time to forgive in your heart. And maybe, just maybe, just because you decide to forgive, there's the issue of trust. And maybe after this service or sometime this week, you're going to have to sit with someone or call someone and have an honest conversation. But that's okay. Be part of this moment. Take the symbols of the death and the resurrection of Jesus because I believe they will bring healing into your soul. Allow the love of Jesus, the blood of Jesus to wash you clean from the inside. I believe so many of you came with such a burden in your hearts this morning. God wants you to leave this place light as a feather. He wants you to experience the freedom and the love that comes when you trust God in everything that he says and in the plans that he has for your life. So let's worship together and then we'll take communion together.